John and Sarah have never been together until now. He's from North Dublin. She's from outside Ballinasloe, County Galway. He's middle-aged. She's young. He's a porter in a VEC school. She's a fashion stylist for newspapers and magazines. Two very different people with one thing in common. Retro Americana. John's in the Teardrop Club, Sarah's in the Tassel Club. John's story first. Yeah, it's all, I've done all the inside, it's all done the same, it's all oh, in a nice teak, so. We're in a garage in the school where John works. Lovely, like your headroom there. For Can you. we get in it's or will I fall? Yeah, you pop in and I'll open the other side. In a moment I'll find out why he'll probably never vote PD. I'll take my weight. But first he has to show me his creation. Will, yeah. This is what you would do at night now on that, or during the day. And oh, I see. Oh, I see, and then you put the floor down so that it supports the bed. That's it, yeah. And you close the room. It's a tiny little caravan made from shiny aluminium. It's a, it's a, it's a two-wheeled, one-axled, called a teardrop trailer. The teardrop is the, is, is the shape. That's the, when you look at the side, you look from the side, you can see the round the front the high ridge and then sloping back down to it. So it's a, a tear on its side, if you know, the shape of the tears on the side. They come from America. So it's a baby caravan? A tin tent. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's about five and a half feet high, is that right? Yeah, if off the ground. It's 48 from the floor, right. from the inside floor, to the ceiling. Okay. You four foot in there. You have a queen-size bed, a nine-foot bed from front to back. And At I, the moment, that's two couches. That's two couches that you can sit on during the day. Okay. You don't want to be lying on the bed. Take up this footwell on your way. Right. The more roomy when you're in than when you're looking in. Right. And how many would you bring with you? About five, six people, yeah? Well, you'd fit comfortably two or three, <laughs> you know. I bring my, my two sons and myself, two lads. One is ten, one is seven, and they love it, you know. And for the the Americans, it was when the motorways opened up and all that type of thing, and people started going on they holidays. They started them after the war. After the war, when they, when they had all the aluminium bombers and things, and they reckon that the shape came from when they cut the wings of the planes, sliced them like this. It's an aerofoil, yeah. It's, it's the same shape as the, the wings. And they used to just pull up the aluminium on the sides, put two doors and half on the halliards, you know, so... It was That's a nice cheap way of getting around the country. They went out in the 60s when the hippies brought in the camper vans, the Volkswagen camper and, and different things. The, the teardrop fell off. Okay. And it's been revived now. And the last, say, four or five years out in the States, it's really... Taken off big time over there. And there, there's a club? Oh, yeah. There's a tiny trailers forum on the websites, on, on the internet. And I was all through my construction here. If I had a problem, I could photograph or put the snaps up what I was having a problem with. And I'd get me answers from Idaho and Texas and California and Alaska, even fellas writing down. And they were saying, I thought I was great being the first on my block with a teardrop. Okay. And we're the first. I'm the first in Ireland with a teardrop. So okay. they were saying, great stuff to be the first in your country. Yeah. But you don't have a kitchen or anything like that. Is? We do in the back. I just didn't show oh, it to you. Sure, yes. Sure, sure, Go on, pop out there. You wouldn't want to be putting on any weight, you wouldn't. Yeah, I think I've got enough now. <laughs> the kitchen is in the back. 
Oh, Clip down two locks. I have them unlocked there now for the moment. Big, huge. Oh, look at this. And this is yet. Yeah, like a boot lid, sorry. Like, like on the say on the back of a van. Okay. You just lift it up over your head. Now you're a big fan, it's over you. Right. It's a bit of shelter at night, a bit of shelter in the day. There's yeah, your the lights. Yeah. There's your gas. There's a reservoir for your water. Pump there. How long are you caravan? I'm caravan army life. I've I caravan with an uncle of mine who had one son and he used to drag me along to keep him company. So I caravaned Did with him. him. I loved it. No, no, I loved it, yeah. Uh, we caravaned every weekend. He had a site in Scarries and we'd go down there every weekend and then all summer. And now I do it for my lads. We go away. We, we, we'll head off for um, usually in Patrick's weekend or maybe Easter. And we're away every weekend then after that. Right through to the end of September, early October. Is it hard to get young fellas to go away with you? No, no oh. problem. Love it. Do they? Love it. Oh, they do, yeah. It's all, it's all uh, outdoors. For them, gets right. them up the mountains, gets them up the trees, into the ditches and go to the beaches. It's not often you can guess somebody's politics, but when you hear what John is about to tell me next, you can pretty easily guess what his politics are not. I'm in the VC now about same around the 10, 11 year, 12 year. We were coal merchants all our life. Our family was, father and his father. So we were coal merchants until Mary Harney brought in the smokeless field and it done away with the coal business and that then... That was the end of the 80s, That it? was, yeah. Of course, we went to taxi then, back full-time taxiing, most of the right. brothers and all them. And then... Uh, Bobby Malloy comes along. Now they do. The Bobby Malloy came along, yeah, so but Mary Harney came back on it. She'd done it twice. She decommissioned me father twice. She'd done him in the coal game and he went to taxi work and then she brought out a heap of taxis on him and then... So a lot of taxis are now with a huge... No, not one. <laughs> no, they don't get too much up around their place. So if you look at coal... We were great Ray workmen. Were you? Yeah. I said, Bork was great. Every time you'd meet him, he'd say, I must get a pitch for Starlight's now. Starlight's is our club Which out is, there. Is Starlight's, yeah. Gaelic football club. Out for Santry, isn't yeah, it? Santry, yeah, Santry, Clockran, Clonshock, all down there. And he was promising you a pitch for years, was he? Yeah, every, every time you'd meet him, he'd tell you he was getting a pitch. And of course, we'd follow, you know, vote like mad for the pitch and then never get it. We never got it. <laughs> Still didn't get it. <laughs> you know, I think Ray Bork, I suppose, if I'd have been in politics, I'd probably have been in where he is now and the same... Both, I think we're all cut from the same cloth. I'm not saying we're all mm. dishonest fellas or anything else, but it's just he's a normal fella, you know, an everyday guy. Yeah. The chances of getting was wrapped he up. He was, he was indeed, yeah. Well, I suppose we didn't know he was ripping them off, ripping them off but yeah. like, I still wouldn't have a bad word to say about him. He was a, he was a, a nice fella. Leave all that stuff out of it. And did you campaign you know? for him or anything? My grandfather campaigned for his father. Did he? He was clever. His father. Was he? Oh, yeah. He used to race, he'd race fellas into the churches at the funerals, you know this, he'd be in. <laughs> there was a great story, I, I heard a great one about him, it really was. Uh, somebody died anyway in Sarge and he couldn't, he couldn't, he was late to the funeral and couldn't figure out how he was going to get into the church ahead of this other politician who was already up holding the widow's hand going up the middle of the church. And they couldn't figure out how he was going to do it. And when they got to the top of the church, Bork had the incense. He's standing beside the priest. <laughs> Flicking the incense at the other politician, you know, who's doing that. So he got sent our stage. It was those type of things. I forgot to ask Sarah Colohan about her politics. I was distracted by the bags. We met in a sushi bar, and she had five or six bags from clothes shops with her. But she wasn't taking the bags from the shops. She was bringing them back. We've got lots of swimwear. Okay. And uh, there's lots of... This is actually done stores. Sarah's a stylist. Well, so 
She dresses models for newspaper and magazine fashion shoots. Um, I was styling a couple of editorials in Cape Town just before the Spirit of Burlesque event. You're listening to Flux with Ronan Kelly. On this programme, John Cooley and Sarah Colohan, both into Retro Americana. Sarah's from Ballinasloe, daughter of a farmer and a music teacher, but her real fashion influence was her granny. My granny was a dressmaker and she was a tailor. She taught me actually how to make Barbie clothes when I was in national school and I just was uh, was pretty good at it and uh, and that was it and it started from there. She's still alive. My granny just died recently and she was 99 and she used to follow all my shoots whenever they'd appear in editor in you know in different magazines she'd be yeah, she was really proud. And was she interested in fashion herself when she was older? Always. She'd have to get her hair done, you know, at 99. I think one of the last things she did, actually, was go to the hairdresser. And, and she always got her nails done as well. What did she have to say about the shoots? Did she comment on the... My granny was even more interested in my burlesque outfits oh, because some of my dresses are my mum's from the 50s. She's not wearing any dresses tonight. Sarah's in the Dublin nightclub Crawdaddy. She's running an event called Spirit of Burlesque, a tribute to the style of 1950s America. She also runs a similar event called the Tassel Club. Her costume would take the eye out of your head. If I can get her to describe it for you, I will. We're just going to open the doors for the band and the main show. So it's all happening in there. So if you want to grab a pew, get a good She's seat. too busy. But her outfit is similar to the ones worn by the women working with her this evening as usherettes. Classic 50s five-inch stiletto heels with a little ribbon around the ankle. I am wearing a black corset, a long red silk gloves. Just suspenders, hot pants, a little black jacket. Fur bolero with okay. diamante holding it together and then little frilly ruffle knickers. The seamed fishnets, of course, another staple with suspenders. Probably the biggest frilly knickers you've ever seen. A red chiffon skirt. Which is see-through. With this, which is see-through. I'm not, I'm not looking to see <laughs> what I can see. And a very sexy red corset. And top hat with feathers. And very, very sparkly red shoes. They're Wizard of Oz shoes. <laughs> when I want to get home tonight, I just click my heels. <laughs> what, what, what do you wear to come along this evening? A jumper, a sloppy jumper, yeah, and a sloppy haircut. That's a customer. I'll get to him later. Oh, and there's the names. Everyone has a stage name. Epiphany. Epiphany. Uh, my full official title is Ms. Epiphany Demeanor. <laughs> what, what's your name? My name is Ruby. Ruby. Jezebel. Jezebel. Yes. My name is Jezebel tonight. Cherry shake well, as in exceedingly good cakes. <laughs> I'll come to Cherry Shakewell later too. Her, her name is apt. What's your name? Austin Breyer. I'm Tyg. Tyg, how are you? Austin and Tyg are not stage names. But the two men have dressed up. The suit is a 1950s blue gabardine, well, rayon gabardine suit. Where did you get it? Uh, in, from AmericanVintageClassics.com in San Diego. And you, what, what are the shoes? Describe it. The shoes came from Seagull's Vintage Clothing in San Francisco, but I got them online. And they're what? They're two-tone, black and white? They are two-tone, yeah. Are they called brogues or what are they called? Well, Americans call them wingtips. Okay. So, uh, so that's what wingtips look like. That's what wingtips look like. Well, I've got a uh, all-white linen suit 
and uh, not wearing a shirt, so revealing a little bit in the in the in the spirit of burlesque, but nothing too uh, certainly nothing too racy. And I've got my uh, my dreadlocks hair up in uh, pineapple configuration. Austin's not just a punter; he's helping out. I was just at the um, Tassel Club Christmas party, so I got talking to Sarah. Then, before you knew it, I was you know helping out with flyers and posters and promotion around town. And there's the thing. Most of the women in corsets, suspenders and boas have been to previous events and have asked if they can come along and dress up and help out. Like Ruby, Austin's girlfriend. Well, I love to dress up. I love Halloween. love dressing up. So this for me is just a night when I get to dress up and have fun and I would never normally wear anything like this when we're going out. But when you're here, you just feel it's so nice and inclusive and fun that and everyone's a part of it that you just feel you can wear whatever you want and and have a great time and it really doesn't matter and no one's looking at you strange and anything it's, it's fantastic is there not an element of risk involved in that you're walking around here there's guys who don't know you and you're kind of dressing well, in a way that you probably would only ever dress for your boyfriend that's true but i do have my boyfriend walking around and uh i think it, most men would be intimidated by him so i'm i'm not too worried <laughs> I asked your boyfriend a question because he was talking to me about sleazy versus sexy. Yes. Tell me what the difference is. Ooh. It's very difficult to say because, um, as I'm sure you know, Stringfell is opening tonight as well, and I would view that, though I've never been there, I would view that as the sleazy side of sexy performances, whereas this would be the nice happy sexy side of sexy performances and it's so hard to say what the difference is really but I think part of it is that here we're seeing people who would be doing this anyway if whether or not they were being paid or whether or not they had a place to do it and it's the basic thing not the same uh, between yourselves and strength fellows to turn guys on um no here is very very different it's there is an element of turning guys on, you know, that's, that's why we look like this, but a lot of couples come to this, a lot of couples come dressed up to this, and it's a way of expressing themselves and getting in on the whole kinky thing without, without having to expose too much or, or be exposed to too much. It's not based on exploitation or servitude, which uh, even the supposedly more classy strip joints or, or lap dancing clubs are. And whereas this is more a celebration, you can certainly see from the joy on the performers' faces in the burlesque, they would be doing this if there was no money involved. Girls like myself, we are classy. Do you know what I mean? So the personality comes across in the dance and the costume and stuff, yeah. So what makes you classier than, say, somebody working down in Stringfellows? Well, I mean, I can't say whether they're not classy. But for myself, the performance element, and it's not a complete striptease. There's flesh shown here and there, but um, it's really tease. Burlesque is a tease. Why do you like that? Why do you like that bit of it? Um, I like being a tease. Yeah. Lock up your daughter. It's time for the band. Fresh from the spit and sawdust floor of London's Lady Luck Club, it's the Urban Voodoo Machine. They're introduced by a woman in burlesque gear coming on stage with a large symbol.
Most of the people I spoke to at the Spirit of Burlesque knew someone involved as an usherette or in the band. But I did meet two men who came on spec. I just thought I had to come down and see what it was like. And what, what, what do you see so far? But it's interesting to see the uh, girls suspenders. So uh, it'd be interesting to see when the full show comes. What do you think burlesque is? Um, I suppose what most people would think of it is from the uh, kind of 20s to the 40s, the uh, French can-can girls, that sort of thing really springs to mind. Like. And is it stripping? Do you think it's stripping? No, I think it's a bit more kind of, I suppose, artyish and a bit more cultured in a way. Like it's more classy, sleazy <laughs> for the more discerning gents. I think. <laughs> it suits you, sir. That's it. That's it. What does that mean? Um, well, I don't think it's classy, not, it's classy. It's classy, sleazy. I mean, it's the. It's not like I mean they're, they're not falling all over each other or, or doing anything untoward. I mean, it's. It's, it's, it looks like a bit of a show. It looks like sort of, I mean, there's the can-can-esque element to it, burlesque. So I think this is all pretty classy. Yeah. Or that's my excuse. Back inside, the band are on a break. And there are four dancers on stage. Jiving as much for themselves as for the crowd. I'm confused. I thought burlesque was late 1800s and jive and rockabilly were mid-1900s. But it's explained to me that there was a burlesque revival in the 1950s and that's how these two can go together. Back to Sarah. How's she getting on? I'll talk to you at length and you'll be trying to shut me up later on. (laughs) Sorry. It's time for the can-can. Four girls, stunning costumes, and the crowd don't mind that they don't have the dance down pat and do a lot of self-conscious giggling. After a few more numbers from the band, it's time for the real pro. Cherry Shakewell, Tassel Twirler. I don't get to see her, however. I'm outside talking the politics of burlesque with Holly. I was just telling my friends earlier on that it felt like travelling back to the 18th century and feeling that kind of naivety of just showing off your pantaloons and your, your whole knicker kind of end of things and just girls going crazy. I suppose the sluts of the 18th century just like bringing up, showing off their underwear or whatever. And it's not about being, you know, a slapper or anything like that. It's just Why isn't it? Why isn't it about fel- girls getting fellas to do things or getting point, money out of fellas? The guys get the same kind of buzz out of it as the girls because it's certainly not to do with, you know, sex or, you uh, know, hello. inverted sex. It's a, well, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a much more subtler form. Right. Um, and uh, I suppose it's, it's just much more friendly and fun and it's to be taken with jest rather than it being anything else. So, um, they should you be hear that sound in the background? Scene, so they're really, really good. So, uh, That's um, Cherry Shakewell taking off her bra. Well, I wasn't actually a burlesque dancer, unfortunately. I, I don't have the legs. Now, Cherry is shaking her nipple tassels. Both in the same direction. <laughs> now she's twirling them in opposite directions. I don't know. I think it is curves, and it's more like there's an 18th-century kind of look. At this point, Holly realizes there's many other things she'd rather be doing than discussing the politics of burlesque with the man from RTE. But I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go back in. Thanks very much.
So, I missed Cherry Shakewell's performance. I need witnesses. It's quite tame, show, whatever. Quite tame. Well, she was a very attractive woman. Okay. Full-bodied, which is always nice to see. Right. And a uh, nice pair of breasts. Right. <laughs> Why is that attractive for women? Because, well, for me. Because yeah. I would consider myself a full-bodied woman. Okay, so that's good. So, I like to see women like that. This woman is a nurse who works with drug addicts. I wouldn't be into the whole heroin chic look at all. Heroin chic? Yes. Is that what it's called? It was called that oh, in the right. 1990s, the Kate Moss of today. Oh, okay. I'd say you see a lot of the real heroin chic, do you? It's not chic at all. It's kind of burlesque with a kind of leopard print pussycat twist. And you've whiskers? It's too expensive. I have whiskers stuck How on. did you stick them on? They're stuck on with theatrical glue. Cherry Shakewell is a graphic designer who does tassel twirling in Britain and Ireland. That's what I do uh, as my main job, really, and uh, sort of travel around London and Brighton, getting gigs, corporate things. It's, there's a real resurgence of burlesque and cabaret. I think people are just bored of clubbing, really, so they want to go and see something a bit different. And I also make and sell nipple tassels. But I went and lived in London and just worked in a boring office, and I was like, this is killing me, nine to five no job satisfaction and getting home with just tiredness having to cook dinner go to bed and then get up and do the same the next day and it was just i don't want that to be my life really so where's the job satisfaction in this um well basically you get to go out meet interesting people dance which has always been a passion i've been dancing since i was a little girl and um just your whole social life is free really you get paid for going out and having fun okay. and clubbing can just feel so meaningless when you're going out you spend a lot of money on overpriced drinks overpriced venues and you come home with an empty wallet a hangover and now I come out I go home without a hangover and money in my pocket and I get to dress fabulous all the time. Explain the physics to me how do you actually do it how do you get your breasts to make the tassels <laughs> twirl what well, do you do? Do you move your shoulders? Just to get them to go round is just a gentle bounce. But I can get them to go in opposite directions, which is more of a shimmy. So you bounce and shimmy at the same time? Yeah, you bounce and shimmy. It's Gosh. a very controlled movement. It's more difficult to do the t different directions, so they go inwards, but one, two, one, two. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and can you, get them, you can get them to go in the same direction it's, easy enough. It's a great sort of start of a conversation. People want to know how to do that, so it's... it's introduce a lot of people who I may not have talked to before so does anyone say to you oh that's tacky yeah well I mean certain partners of mine have been a bit kind of they have they've been okay with it but their friends have been like that and it's it's just good kitsch clean fun you know and and generally in the striptease it's only at the very last minute that the bra comes off you do a little task and you run off I mean, it's just good fun, really. <laughs> Can I ask another really stupid question? How do you stick them on? Oh, it's double-sided tape. You can use theatrical glue, but oh, no, it doesn't. It's it sore. Doesn't. It's got to be If you sore. leave them on for long enough, then it heats up and it comes off. If you try and pull them off straight away, then that could be a little bit painful. <laughs> but other than that, it's fine. <laughs> it's just a little girl's dressing up fantasy, but I can actually make money out of it now. I couldn't see you because there was a lot of guys in front of me. What about their reaction? Do, do you ever kind of think, oh, stop leching? Do they ever kind of get a bit... Um, no, actually. I mean, I've done a few gigs where I've turned up and the crowd haven't been right because it's not the kind of genre that you should be really doing it in. And I've said, no, I won't perform. But generally... Do they I, not get a bit shirty then if you... 
No, if, if someone's booked you and then you feel like you're going to be putting yourself at a disposition, then you, you shouldn't have to do it. And I don't care if I upset the promoters. If I feel like I'm going to be putting myself in an embarrassing situation yeah. or where men might lech, but generally in the kind of scene where you go to burlesque or cabaret or underground music scene, even, I mean, obviously men and women, you know, if they want to let you, they're going to let you, but they do it in a more artistic way as well. They can appreciate both sides right. and they would never step over the line. So they never show get them off. No, no, they'd never try and grope you because they understand the idea of burlesque. To be honest, it's the women who love it more than the men as well. Like, I've, I get so many women coming up because I'm quite a curvy girl. I mean, I'm 26, but I've got a really curvy hourglass figure. I get a lot of women who come up and say that they feel empowered, that if I can get up and do it, then they shouldn't be worried if they're not stick-thin models. So it's actually an empowering role model. So that's really nice. And I do a lot of hen parties teaching women of all ages and body shapes how to sort of do the whole striptease for their man in the home and they just feel great afterwards. The night's over, but not for Sarah. She's still too busy to talk. She's counting takings in the cloakroom. She doesn't look happy. They could have done better. But no matter, they're touring nationwide and it should improve. That's the programme. Thanks for listening. If you want to, you can write to flux at rte.ie or to myself, Ronan Kelly, RTE Radio 1, RTE Dublin 4. If you go to the Flux page on the RTE website, you can see pictures of the teardrop caravan and of Sarah Colhan. Who is the last person you would want to see walking through that door over there? My boss. (laughs) Or my parents. What is your boss, a man or a woman? A man. At what age is he? Oh, in his 30s, I guess. He's got small children.